When your creative juice is running low and your over meetings on Zoom, just stay inside and sanitize and tune into Quarantunes with Ellis Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quarantunes. I'm your host, Ellis Dolan, and joining me today is Millicent Sarr. How are you doing, Millicent? Hello, I'm great. Thank you, Ellis. I don't think you've ever called me Millicent in my whole life, <laughs> but it was I, fun. Yeah, it, it sounded weird when I said it. I'm not going to lie, uh, but yeah, I, that's what I went with. Um. It's weird that like, when people call me Millicent, I'm like, you either don't know me at all or you're like friends with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should clarify and say the reason that that sounds weird is because like the majority of people call me Mim. But like Millicent, if if I'm like being fancy, and who who doesn't want to be fancy in <laughs> in a time like this? Uh, anyway, the reason that you are here today on Foreign Tunes is uh, you are a singer songwriter, and you're here to talk about the songwriting process uh, with all of our wonderful listeners. I suppose that I am. Yeah, <laughs> we're off to a really uh, really confident start. We know what we're doing. Uh, <laughs> Like I haven't prepared like a TED talk or anything. Like I would, I would love to be prompted, you know, with some with some probing questions. That was that it. I can, that was that I can answer. You know. No, that was it. I was just going to say, and Mim's talking about uh, songwriting, and then you do all the work, and I get all the credit, and because uh, I host the podcast, and then. <laughs> all right, my monologue begins now. <laughs> Mim, I guess the first question, if we're talking about songwriting, uh, is when did you start writing songs? I have been writing songs my whole life. Um, I don't really know when I started because I don't really have any memory of not doing it, if that makes sense. Like I was always just a kid who was like, I was always like singing to myself and um, just coming up with little songs. I do, I don't think it is the first song that I ever wrote, but I have a very strong memory of a song that I wrote as a child. Um, I My family had just come back from a holiday in Vanuatu and uh, as was all the rage in the early 2000s, while I had been in Vanuatu as a like seven-year-old, I had had my hair put into cornrows, which oh my is probably, like, probably wouldn't fly in 2020. <laughs> but like a little seven-year-old me like thought I was like super cool. Um, but basically came home and, you know, had had them in for a substantial amount of time. And so my mum was like, that's it, they're coming out. <laughs> and because my hair had been braided in these tiny little braids I had just like this like huge like frizzy hairdo and um I remember writing a song about it because um I decided that that was like my my pop star alter ego she just had like really frizzy hair like kind of like a la Nikki Webster in the Sydney Olympics when she probably had like um, crimping in her hair mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's probably upon reflection who my idol was in this moment but basically um, I came up with a song for my pop star alter ego whose name was Frizz um, and my song went Frizz 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 is coming your way 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 uh-huh 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 um, so I remember being like seven and just like writing these little like theme songs and stuff. So yeah, I'm just, I'd like to think that I've like improved somewhat from my first <laughs> theme song. Um, I hope I didn't peak at seven. But you've always had that kind of, that knack for, for writing songs and, and wanting to create 
music. Yes, very much so. Yeah, it's it's always something that I that I have done. Yeah, it's it's felt very natural to me always. Some might argue that you peaked uh, with your pop stylings of frizz. Uh, <laughs> in terms of your style, you've kind of moved away from that kind of anthemic uh, pop to more of like a musical <laughs> theater cabaret style. Uh, what drew you to that style? Yeah. Did it take you long to to kind of settle in there? Or like, did you make any choices that led you down that path? Or did it just kind of happen accidentally? I, I kind of took a little bit of a detour to get there. Um, what I wrote mostly like in primary school and in high school, and I guess a bit after high school as well, um, was sort of a lot more like kind of singer-songwriter-y, kind of indie um acoustic kind of stuff um very very much like Missy Higgins like she was probably my biggest um songwriting inspiration um so I kind of went through that phase first to get to what my sound is currently and that's I think that is still very evident in my songwriting currently but um I think the more like music theatery style came from just the fact that I love music theatre and I like live and breathe that genre and um, I guess from like listening to like so many soundtracks and um, like being involved in so many musicals like it's it's a genre that I'm really familiar with and I I feel really um, well acquainted with all of its like tropes and um, all of its stylings even though like it's obviously a very broad genre um, but I think you write what you know and I guess um, that became my favourite style to listen to and just kind of it stemmed from that 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 became the style that I felt most comfortable writing in as well. Since you've kind of settled into the the musical theatre-esque genre of things, do you find there's a different element of storytelling in that genre as opposed to the singer-songwriter style? Yes, very much so. And that's like, that's one of the reasons that I almost prefer it. Well, I do prefer it as a genre. Like there's so much more room for for narrative um, and also for um, things being a bit more literal. Um, I think when I'm writing stuff that is a bit less theatrical, there almost seems like a bit of a... Or it's, I guess it's a pressure I put on myself, but I think it's also a result of what that genre is like, um, is a pressure to make everything quite um, metaphorical and, like, lyrically, I mean, mm-hmm. and for the meaning to be, like, for you had to have to scratch around to get to the real meaning of it, whereas I think when stuff is music theatre, well, especially in music theatre, like, you need the lyrics to be literal most of the time so that the the songs can develop the plot and I think that it's a lot more fun for me to write where the meaning is a bit more apparent. Who are your songwriting idols? I have many. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah Bareilles is probably my number one especially because her I guess career arc um, or not so much career arc, like it's, I'm not by any means claiming to have mimicked <laughs> the career arc of Sarah Bareilles because mm. that would be um, phenomenal. Um, but <laughs> in terms of where she started, like the genre that she started writing in, like going from more like a pop singer, songwriter, contemporary artist to then being a music theatre composer, 
um, that's something that I, that is a career that I would love to mimic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, Tim Minchin is a huge inspiration of mine. I think I, I'm very flattered when people are like, oh, it's really obvious that you love Tim Minchin because it like comes out in your songwriting style. Like I take that as a huge compliment. Um, so yes, uh, Missy Higgins, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. love her to death. And um, Ben Folds as well. Um, and in terms of more music theatre composers, um, I really love Janine Tesori. Mm-hmm. And um, I love Kate Miller-Heidke as well um, for similar reasons to Sarah Bareilles in that she has kind of straddled that divide between being um, a pop writer and a music theatre writer. And I think I'm also attracted to people whose careers have been quite multifaceted and who have dabbled in different genres because um, I don't like to fit myself into one box. So I aspire to be like other people who get to try all sorts of different things too. Now, I don't think any conversation about you and songwriting can happen just now without discussing friendly feminism for the mild-mannered, your three-time... Adelaide Fringe Award-winning show at the 2020 Adelaide Fringe. Uh, remember when we had Fringe festivals and we could go outside and see shows? That oh, seems like that, a while um, ago. that's quite a, quite the concept. Um, uh, yeah, do you remember that sensation? I don't, I don't recall. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like uh, I've been stuck indoors forever. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit about Friendly Feminism for the Mild-Mannered or Friend Femme? Uh, like, how did the show uh, come about? <laughs> Can you give us a quick overview of what the show is for those who didn't get to see it? Yeah. Um, friendly Feminism, or as you call it, Friend Femme. Mm. Uh, that is my favourite abbreviation. <laughs> um, it is a feminist cabaret and it features um, 10 songs that I wrote about feminism. And basically it happened because... There are quite a few catalysts. There were a lot of things that were pointing me in this direction. But basically, I was coming to realise that cabaret was a really great genre for me to be able to perform and write and, like, showcase my original material, um, but also, um, like, not be bound by narrative necessarily. Um, And it's quite, um, like, a compact genre like you just need you know at the very least like yourself and a piano and like that's your whole show so um, not that I was thinking that much logistically when I decided to write the show Um, but yeah I I've always been really attracted to the genre of cabaret I think because I like the the conversation that you can have with the audience and there's not necessarily a facade of you putting on a persona like it's just you Um, so yeah I liked cabaret to begin with Um, and I love feminism, (laughs) (laughs) as literally anyone who has ever had a conversation with me will know. It's a big, it's a big passion of mine. And um, so in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write a feminist cabaret because I can sing and I can write music and I can talk about feminism. And they're like my three favorite things. And um, yeah, so that was sort of where the concept came from. But the thing that actually made me go, all right, I'm, I'm writing this, I'm doing this, was um, in the middle of 2018, 
there was a really bad month for women in Australia being killed. Um, I think it was about June or July 2018. And... it was it was the time that Eurydice Dixon was murdered, and there were like a couple of other, um, like highly publicized um, deaths around that as well, and that sort of started a very public conversation about um, about women's safety, and it was a lot of the public rhetoric was quite um, victim blamey in nature, um, in that like. One of the policemen, for example, the, in a press conference talking about it, said, um, oh, women just need to be more situationally aware, um, which was just very um, tone deaf considering that as any person who has ever lived as a woman or um, even just as a, a vulnerable minority um, in our society will know that you're always aware of your of your safety and your surroundings. And so... Um, yeah, there was sort of a bit of a public outcry about that, about the fact that it shouldn't be up to women to keep ourselves safe because we already do that. Like that's already a natural ingrained part of our existence. It should be um, up to putting the pressure on the people that are um, that are hurting women to, to do better and for men to have conversations with other men about how to... Um, stop that from happening and um how that needed to stop at the grassroots level mm-hmm. um about even just um commentary and like conversations that we have about um about women and um yeah that made me really angry and so i wrote a song about it and it's called welcome to the female experience and it's one of the songs in friendly feminism and that kind of was my first starting point and then it kind of just flowed. The the rest of the show just kind of came yeah. from that, uh, from that one song. It it did well. It kind of it kind of worked around that in that I knew that I wanted the the show to lead up to being about um, rape culture, which is essentially mm-hmm. what it is when, as a society, you're apologetic um, towards. The, the people who who commit these crimes um, but in order to make it accessible and in order to get the audience on board and ready to talk about something as or ready to listen I suppose there was no <laughs> there was no conversation <laughs> with the audience um it was very one-sided that's fair one of you has the microphone yeah it yeah and it was mm. me um, <laughs> but in order to get the audience ready to to hear about rape culture I needed to present some of the less divisive stuff first and like make that fun and accessible and get everyone on side and then and then get to the point where the the really hard-hitting hard-to-swallow truths were presented. Did you find that audiences were willing to go with you through that journey uh, towards the more hard-hitting stuff? Yes I did um yeah, I think I was I was sneaky about it. <laughs> I was sneaky about the way that the show set up <laughs> because all of the stuff early on is like is like fun and sarcastic and like the audience have to sing along at some point, um, and it's nothing too hard to swallow. Um, and so I think by doing that, like ninety percent of the audience, from what it felt like from um, the energy in the room, like felt 
it felt like they were really on board to begin with. Um, and then I was also sneaky in the fact that transitioning into this, the more serious stuff, it was still a really non-divisive um, song that got there. Um, like, Ellis, I know you know the show really well because you're, you know, one of my one of my number one fans um, and also have seen it how many times? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I think I've seen it four times in three different configurations. <laughs> um, you're a super fan, I think. Um, but yeah, basically, the song that kind of shifts the mood, as you would know, is um, called "It's Okay to Cry," and it's the first ballad in the show. Mm. But it's on the pretty non-divisive topic that um, you know everyone should be able to really express their emotion, and that if um, anyone, particularly men who, you know, typically in our society are um, discouraged from expressing their emotion, um, if they uh, fight against that and, and freely feel what they feel, um, then it's it's healthier for everyone. So, like, even though mm. it's the first ballad, it's pretty, like, most people can get on board with that sentiment, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think even in the tonal shift, people were more willing to go there um, because of the non-divisive subject matter. And then the um, slightly more divisive, hard-hitting stuff kind of came in. So, yeah, I was just, I was sneaky. Mm-hmm. But from from what <laughs> I gather, obviously I don't think that you're, um, the people that disagree with your content that much are going to be the the vocal ones that you know stay around afterwards and tell you what they thought of the show um at least you'd hope not. like well at least i haven't experienced that like no one's no one's stuck around to be like that was terrible i hated it um which is really nice um but from what i gather from like talking to audience members and like the audience response and um everything i think it was yeah it was really well received and i think um the message definitely came across which is wonderful and with a show like that that's exactly what you want yeah and I've been really excited to have people say like oh I like didn't know that I was a feminist or I didn't know that I cared about this and then I saw your show and I was like oh yeah I am and this is important so like that's like super cool when stuff like that happens uh so that's that's what you've been working on for the last uh year or however long it's been uh, since 2018 uh, you said, what kind of things are you working on at the minute? Uh, since we have a lot of downtime at the we moment, so I feel like you've downtime. been uh, taking advantage of yes, that. Yes, trying to anyway. What are you putting your downtime towards at the moment in terms of songwriting? I am writing a song cycle. It's um, its working title is 25, um, which I, I still I like as a title. It's a, the broad the broad idea is that it's a look into people's different experiences of being in their 20s, basically, um, and being a young person in today's, like, political climate, um, which probably will, you know, in the next couple of months, I think there will be some really interesting stories about being <laughs> a young person in this, in this, you know, particular current climate. Um but basically the idea is that I collaborate with a number of different artists um, of quite diverse um, backgrounds 
and of diverse experiences and talk to them about their personal experience and what they want to see represented in the music theatre canon that isn't necessarily otherwise there. So um, I have been chatting this week to um, a friend of mine who has recently come out as non-binary um, about their experience of their of their gender and um, what it's been like to navigate that because um, they and I both talked about like how poor non-binary representation is like in any form of of pop culture or anything mm. and um, how like they're obviously very passionate about about music theater and want to see more non-binary characters and more, more non-binary stories represented so part of the project is about trying to make sure that those voices are represented and have a place in um in the music theater canon which typically has been very like like quite white quite um quite cis heteronormative quite heteronormative yeah and um yeah and also like um a lot of people that you see in music theater like look a certain way um yeah, so it's about um, it's about presenting like a cross section of what young people are experiencing at the moment, but really actively making sure that that is a a diverse group and it's not like white people complain for an hour. <laughs> Since you're specifically talking to people about their stories and their experiences, is there a different process that you're going through when trying to convey? their perspective definitely yeah um i think for a couple of in a couple of ways um i feel a lot more responsibility to do well when it's for somebody else and um i um kind of don't want to let them down and present their viewpoint poorly um, so I think I, I feel a greater responsibility when I'm writing for somebody else and trying to represent their story. Um, and I also, um, I guess try to, like, this is something that I've never had to do before for myself, but like try to kind of like wrap up their personality and their kind of essence in the musical stylings of it. And also like in the way that the lyrics flow and stuff. So I um try to that's that's not something I've ever done before because um you know I when I write for myself I don't think mm, what kind of a person am I and is that reflected in this musical style um because that would all, it would all sound the same um and I suppose it's it's an interesting lyrical experience as well because the way that I go about it is that I'll like interview them um I like interview is in inverted commas but um I just have a conversation with them and go what's this like for you and I, at the same time I'm like furiously writing down notes and um kind of like some of the lyrics are going to be like almost verbatim what they've said and it's like stuff that I never would have come out up with out of my own brain because um, it's their words so I'm kind of like I'm finding new lyrical inspiration which is cool Nim you're gonna hate me because I'm about to ask you the worst question 
that you can ask a songwriter. Okay. Uh, how do you begin writing a song? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I knew that's what it was going to be. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's different every time, but because I've done it so many times, I have a couple of, like, cheats of, like, ways to go about starting, at least. I tend to write lyrics and melody together and then I um, will like put music to that because um, I'm a singer first and foremost so it makes sense that I want to do what the singer does first. Um, And so more often than not I have like a strong concept like um, for example, a um, bit of a spoiler alert, I guess, but one of the songs that I'm writing for my new song cycle is for you, Ellis. And I have a strong concept of what I want this song to be, even though I don't necessarily have, well, I've kind of been working on it now, but like before I started it, I didn't have any particular like lyrics or anything. I just knew I want to write a song about a guy who is a rock star who like prioritizes his self-care. Like I think that that's a fun concept. And so normally what happens is I'll have like a punchline that I work around, if that makes sense. Um, The best example I can think of that is when I wrote um, one of the new songs for Friendly Feminism, which – was only included in this most recent season of it, which is called A List of Things That Grown Men Shouldn't Be Scared Of, which is a song about toxic masculinity. (laughs) Brilliant. I I knew that I wanted the, like, each verse to finish with, um, this is my list of things that grown men shouldn't be scared of. And, like, I knew that was, like, the punchline <laughs> and it took me a million mm. years to work out like how to get to that um, because as it would turn out as I discovered it's very hard to rhyme with the phrase scared of like, that's <laughs> tricky um, but I was like no that's the punchline that's how it's got to finish um, and in the end it it ended up being um, basically it's like all of these things that it's, it's a list of things that grown men shouldn't be scared mm. of. The title is very comprehensive. Um, exactly what it says on the tin. Exactly, exactly what it says on the tin. Um, but it like lists these things like um, like using pink shampoo, like a little boy who's wearing a tutu, like all of these things. Um, and then <laughs> it goes on to say like these things shouldn't bother you and if they do, then there's something you should consider growing a pair of. <laughs> That's how I rhymed with scared <laughs> of, even though as the song will go on to address, the idea of growing a pair is also inherently a bit sexist and um, problematic <laughs> and kind of goes against the whole point of the song. Um, but then, like, I made a joke out of that, so it was fine. But, yeah, what I what I do, that was my very long-winded way of saying that basically I like to work out a punchline more often than not. You figure out how the song is going to end and then you work backwards yes. from there. Yes. Yeah. That or I will have like a really strong, like melodic 
idea that is kind of the the thread throughout it like a kind of like more of like a chorusy type thing the hook the hook i love a good hook yeah do you find it trickier to write a, a verse or a chorus do you feel that the hooks come easily to you or do you feel like you need to put more focus on them because they're the chorus that's what's going to get in people's heads uh, is there more pressure on that than the verses do you feel interestingly i tend to avoid writing choruses unless i have to like if you were to if you were to dissect my songwriting um you know repertoire you'd find that maybe like 25% of my songs have a chorus i tend to prefer repetitive verses that have like a kind of chorus-esque ending but aren't actually choruses um I I don't know why that is (laughs) um but at the same time even though a lot of my songs tend to not have choruses I find it very easy to write hooks which seems like a bit of a contradiction um but I guess I guess I put the hooks more so in the verses then if I don't have a chorus that being said though i write a damn catchy chorus <laughs> if you haven't seen the show um you missed that because it's amazing but also like we will do it again so like if you have missed out like it's coming to a city near you probably later rather than sooner because it looks like our 2020 <laughs> tour plans are probably going to go on hold but you know <laughs> Like, please come. You haven't. It's not too late. Post quarantine. Post quarantine. There, there is a song that uh, I believe people can listen to on Spotify called sure "The can. Tea Song," um, mm-hmm. which is 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 a wonderful little uh, Mary Poppins esque ditty uh, about <laughs> consent, yes. uh, which has the world's catchiest chorus that uh, you will be singing. Once you hear the song for the first time, it'll forever be in your head. And I mean that in a very good way, because it's very good. Uh, But do you find that uh, doing something deliberately catchy or earwormy uh, in a song like that, do you feel that that stands out even more since your songs don't normally have a traditional chorus or verse-chorus-verse-chorus structure? Yeah, potentially. Um, I hadn't thought about it like that, but... um... Yeah, that does seem likely, like, because there's maybe less to latch onto in other songs, um, then that one would be catchy regardless, but it kind of stands out even more. Yeah. And do you find that the musical theatre cabaret genre that you're working in at the minute, do you feel like that lends itself more to these songs that don't have a traditional chorus like if you were still writing in your quote-unquote singer-songwriter vein would you feel pressured that you had to include a traditional chorus of some kind I have definitely actively gone out of my way to write choruses in my singer-songwriting stuff um where they weren't naturally coming to me like I sort of um manufactured them rather than like I went out of my way to be like, what's the chorus going to be rather than it just like being in my head. Um, and I don't feel the pressure to do that with um, with theatrical stuff. Um, 
I think because you'll find in music theatre that that's pretty common, that there's not necessarily um, the verse-chorus type setup. Um, I, mm. I think stuff in music theatre is a lot more freeform because um, the the storytelling element is the is the priority. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say that I think that my tendency to maybe err away from err, that's not the word I'm looking for, like veer away um, from from choruses is, is probably a result of um, being very heavily influenced by music theatre, yeah. So you've got your concept for the song. You, you know, you've got your punchline. How do you, mm-hmm. what advice can you give to people who have that concept and are struggling to get it onto the paper? Um, I think that you need to write down every idea that comes to mind and very rarely should you um, discount an idea immediately. Um, like I think write everything down and even something that when it comes to you seems a bit crap initially might find its way of working out later on. Um, so I think I also find that if you are struggling to make rhymes happen, it can be really handy to just kind of write everything down verbatim and be like, these are all of the different ideas that I had. And you might like notice some rhyme coming through naturally, or you might go, oh, I wasn't going to pair these two ideas together, but the way that I phrased them, these two ideas rhyme. So I'll like put them side by side. Um I also, something that I find really handy is um, writing down or kind of doing like a map of what the arc of the song is going to be. So um, there's a song that I wrote um, last week um, and it is called Shrink. Basically, it's a song that kind of spans a couple of little snapshots of um, the life of the character who sings it, who happens to be a friend of mine whose experience I was, like, um, putting into a song. And so I kind of, like, mapped it out and I was like, okay, this verse is going to be her, like, in primary school and, like, this verse is going to be her in high school and this verse is going to be her a bit older and kind of the growth through the bridge and into the final chorus, like, this realisation happens there and I kind of – I draw a little like map for myself of where I want the song to go. And um, yeah, I think it's good to to have that kind of overarching picture to know where everything, where all your ideas are going to fit. Um, or if you don't have the ideas yet to be like, all right, I've got this like strong concept here. What are these other bits I need to fill? And um, and what am I going to use to to lead to this other idea that I have? What are the worst habits that somebody can get into when they're writing a song? Um, well, this is my bad habit, um, which is using the same chord progression every time. <laughs> 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 so my, I have my darling friend, Josh Belperrier, um, is somebody who I write with very frequently. Um, he's an amazing composer, amazing lyricist, just all around incredible writer. Um, and he and I bounce off each other really well. And I 
I sent him a new song the other day and he was like, the song is great. Do you realize that you have a tendency to constantly use this one same chord in every song you write? And I was like, yes, I do. I know. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose um, getting stuck in um, in one chord progression or even just one kind of like feel or um, um, kind of like stylistic choice, I suppose. Um, yeah, that's, that's my bad one. I'm not sure about other people's bad habits. Um, I guess rhyming stuff that's really pedestrian, you know? Falling, falling back on the same kind of rhymes that everybody Yes, like knows. we all know that like together and forever sort of rhyme, so, um... Yeah. Or, or that one summer where everybody would rhyme swagger with Mick Jagger. <laughs> Did that happen more than once? I can only think of one occasion in which that happened. Uh, I know Kesha did it. Yeah, I'm thinking of Kesha. Who are you? Th- who else are you thinking of? I'm pretty sure Moves Like Jagger does it as well. That would make sense. Yeah. I could, I could be really wrong. <laughs> but I would no. I would I would say that with confidence. Hi everyone, Future Ellis here, just butting in. Moves Like Jagger doesn't actually contain the swagger Jagger rhyme, but there is a, uh, an article on Pop Dust called Trend Timeline, The Decade in Swagger and Mick Jagger, which goes into some more details about which songs contained the words swagger and Mick Jagger around the same time. It was an interesting article to read for five minutes at 12.30 when I edited this podcast. Anyway, back to the show. There was, there was a while where... It, those words came up a lot. Um, uh, if somebody is just starting out, if they've kind of decided that they want to use their time uh, indoors at the minute constructively and learn how to write songs, should they start worrying about stylistic similarities uh, as a beginner or should they just kind of write anything and everything that they feel like and get a feel for yeah, what they yeah, enjoy writing? I think so. Um, like I think you can you can start to stress about um similarities when you know you have experience and you're like writing a show and you're like I don't want every song to sound the same um which is where where I'm at um but no I think if you're just like starting out and you're just kind of working out who you are as a writer like write anything and everything and and don't be don't be too critical about it like like I said like no you shouldn't discount any idea um to begin with I don't think um, because you might accidentally be sitting on a gem and not realize it yet. Jumping back to Friend Femme for a second, there is a song in it uh, called Me Too. Uh, and I suppose this section uh, comes with a slight trigger warning just because we're talking about that kind of song. Um, it contains a lot of uh, very personal details and very blunt details about real events that happened to you. How did you go about turning that experience into a song? I think I think I've said this to you before actually that funnily enough that was one of the easiest songs to write in the show. Um I think because I had resigned myself to the fact that it was going to be b- brutally honest. Um and I I just remember um like sitting at my piano and kind of like the words were just like tumbling out of my mouth and um they 
a lot of them like happened to rhyme and it was like a happy coincidence that they rhymed but I kind of almost didn't really care because it was more about um the words themselves rather than what they sounded like um and I suppose it was um from from an emotional perspective it was hard to write because I had to relive what I was singing about but from a songwriting perspective it was really easy because I just kind of had to sing through the situation and um it kind of it was all it was all kind of there um and yeah I think it's it's quite the song the song itself is quite like fragmented and it, it changes key like every line and um it's very um asymmetrical I suppose in that it doesn't really have a, a form um like some verses in inverted commas are um like two lines long some are like four or six and they it just kind of like um and the the reason for that is because as I was writing it it was just the words that I was that I was speaking and that I was saying um describing what was happening and I wasn't thinking about form I was just thinking about telling the story truthfully there is there is that kind of adage that people when people go or when artists go through a bad experience they're like well this will make a good book someday or something like Mm. that but it is a potentially dangerous mindset to get into when it deals with um potentially traumatic incidents yeah do you have any advice for people who want to do something like that uh like what what advice can you give for them to do it in a in a safe and constructive manner uh that isn't detrimental to them I think on one hand making making art in whatever form be it be it music be it be it writing um like poetry um be it visual art um making art out of your traumatic experiences is really cathartic and um it right writing this song definitely um helped me to process better what had happened and um singing it every night um when I do the show um I just like I feel I feel a little bit more comfortable singing it every time and I feel like I've got a little bit more distance from the experience and I feel like a little bit of healing happens every time I sing the song um so I I do think that it's a really um powerful way to to process um your trauma at the same time I think that you need to already be able to have quite a healthy distance with um with what has happened um just just speaking um personally the the incident that I sing about in the song happened in early 2017 and I I wasn't writing the song about it until late 2018 early 2019 so with with a solid um year and a half two years distance from it um so I think that probably was one of the things that um meant that I could process it a bit more safely um without having too much of that trauma bubble up and be too too impactful on me um and I think that while 
writing about or or making any sort of art about your negative experiences is a really um, cathartic process. At the same time, it shouldn't be the only way that you that you deal with your trauma. And um, you know, I also had a lot of therapy um, about about what happened. Um, in addition to other things that that really helped. So, um, you know, talking about it with other people as well um, and um, especially, you know, mental health professionals is is important. Um, but, yeah, I also would say that while having an artistic outlet to be able to help you through um, – negative experiences is great and while negative experiences do provide a lot of inspiration for um for your art that you should you shouldn't seek out those negative experiences in order to have something to write about which seems like a no-brainer but um yeah I I want to say it just in case (laughs) (laughs) like we're all going to have negative experiences no matter how much of a charmed life we lead. So, um, yeah, don't go seeking out bad things happening for you just for something to write about. <laughs> like, that's just stupid. Is there a single most important piece of advice that you would give to other songwriters? Yes. Collaborate. You're always going to get something better from multiple brands thinking about something than you are from your single brain. Um, I'm very lucky because I have many wonderful friends, um, namely the beautiful Ella Stolen, um, <laughs> to be my to be my sounding boards. Um, I'm also very lucky to have my friend Josh, who I mentioned earlier, um, and my best friend Gemma is um, is a great collaborator as well. She was um, my right hand woman in Friendly Feminism. She was the she was the funny one in Friendly Feminism. And um, basically my experience is that anytime you have something and you ask other people for feedback, they're always going to make it better. Um, and, like, it's very hard to do that. Um, I am notoriously secretive about what I write and I really don't like sharing it with other people. Um, which is ironic given the given my career choice is that I share my songwriting with audiences with other um, people but like just yeah but um in the in the early stages of the creative process I'm so cards to my chest about my writing um but anytime I've ever asked for feedback from another artist who I um whose opinion I trust and whose artistry I respect. Um, I've always, 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 always um, come out with something better. Um, I there are like there are at least three jokes in Friendly Feminism that I was like, "That's Ellis's joke." <laughs> <laughs> like there were there were multiple moments where in like dress rehearsals you were like, "If you do it like this, it's going to be way funnier," and it's like still to this day like like some of the funniest bits in the show are because <laughs> of your um, feedback, Ellis. So thank you for being my collaborator. <laughs> it, it certainly helps when you have such good base source material to oh, jump off you. of. thank you. It also helps that's, when you have really that. close friends who are also incredible artists. So <laughs> Mutual Appreciation Club, Ellis Dolan. We are proud members of that club forever yeah. and ever. Yeah. 
Mim, we have reached what I am calling at this point in time, the lightning round. Are you ready for the <gasps> lightning round? I am so good at lightning rounds. <laughs> reference. Uh, anyone who of friends. Isn't in the know. Of friends. Uh, <laughs> so I've got a pool of about 59 questions. I've chosen a handful of them randomly. And I'm just going to oh, shoot God. them at you. They are going to be on all <gasps> different topics. Uh, some of them are going to be serious. Some of them are going to be funny. I think we're all going to have a lot of fun with all of them. Are you ready? Right. I, I'm ready. Yeah. What was the last TV show that made you cry? Stranger Things. Could you, if asked, perform the entirety of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air opening theme? Um, yeah, I reckon I could. Can you do it for us Please now? Please don't ask me to, though. <laughs> well, this is a story. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the least impressive or most mundane superpower you wish you could have? Speed walking. Like, I'm just not a very fast walker. And also, my boyfriend is really tall and has very long legs, and I can never keep up with him. The next question is question number 42 on my list, which is, of course, what is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? Be kind to everyone. Or be kind to one another, within reason. Everyone is impractical. I'm not going to be kind to Donald Trump. <laughs> Within reason. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I need a caveat on my own on my own answer to the meaning of life. Like I feel like that tells you <laughs> right away that it's flawed. What is your guilty pleasure musical? Legally Blonde. <laughs> Which celebrity are you terrified to meet because you think you'd make a fool out of yourself in front of them? Um. Well, I already know the exact answer to this because it's already happened. Um, on both occasions that I have met Tim Minchin, I've completely lost my chill. <laughs> like, I have no chill around Tim Minchin, um, because I love him. Um, and both times I've been like, ah, Tim Minchin, all of my students sing the songs from Matilda and they really love them. And I just, uh, and the school song from Matilda has amazing, your lyrics are so good. Like, oh, I'm just like not cool at all. <laughs> um, so like I would... I would love to meet Timogen again to be like, I'm a cool person. I've got it together. <laughs> what song lyric do you always have stuck in your head? It can be a song mm. lyric that you've written or somebody else's. Just which one is always in there? Well, today I have been humming. Um, I've been humming the name on everybody's lips is going to be Roxy. Because um, it's a tune. Chicago's great. And also because I'm currently... Um, working at my old high school, um, vocally directing their musical and the musical is Chicago. So like we had callbacks yesterday, that's why. But also like that's the only one I can think of because that's a song that stuck in my head today. Do you think Bono is a bit of a wanker? Yep. What advice would you give to your yesterday self as in literally you from yesterday? Don't stay out watching Netflix because then when you wake up in the morning, you're going to feel groggy and crap. Just like go to sleep like a normal person. <laughs> what is your dream travel destination in the event that we're able ever to travel anywhere ever again? <laughs> yeah, that's a big old caveat, isn't it? Um, I really love New York. Um, I would like to go there again and again. Um, and I would also really like to go back to Canada. What film can you quote from start to finish? Interestingly enough, Ellis Dolan, it's School of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, Netflix tried to suggest that film to me the other day. 
it was like the first <laughs> thing that came up and I'm just like I'm not ready yet Netflix I'm not ready <laughs> um, what makes you think Netflix that I would be interested in in that we, we were worrying about Facebook and Amazon listening to us uh, and yeah it's actually Netflix, Netflix. Got in there as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes I'm so well acquainted with School of Rock the m- the movie that whenever I see the musical I know exactly which lines are lifted from the movie and which ones aren't because I'm a true fan. Deviating from the lightning round just quickly, what is your favorite obscure quote from School of Rock? You're tacky and I hate you. Oh, actually, no. No, actually, no. My favorite my favorite line from School of Rock is like, oh, yeah, like they're going to be listening to like Mozart, Beethoven, <laughs> Enya. <laughs> what was your favorite television show from your childhood? I was a big um, Sesame Street fan. Um, I really liked, I can't even remember if it's what it's called, but I really liked Angela Anaconda. Was that the name of that show? Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember it was on like when I went to my ballet classes and so I would like get my family to like record it on VHS (laughs) so I could watch it when I got home. Oh man. That's like one of the things I'm going to tell my children to be like, yeah, if something was on when I wasn't at the house. Like we didn't have, we didn't have iView. We didn't have Netflix. <laughs> like you had to like record it. Somebody had to stand there with the crank and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've you've won the lightning round. Congratulations. I I won. No freaking way. Thank you very much, Mim, for having a chat to us uh, in this time. Uh, I hope that everybody's listening has kind of learned a little bit about songwriting. I hope that I said one or two things that were like somewhat comprehensive <laughs> it, isn't that our hope for any social interaction <laughs> ever oh, i hope that maybe one or two of the sentences that came out of my mouth made sense and that wraps us up for today's tunes. thank you very much mim for coming to talk to us thank you very much everybody at home for listening stay safe support your local artists and wash your hands take care everyone